Welcome to the Bros and Brewskies podcast. Uh, this is episode two uh, coming right at you. Uh, we are going to be uh, talking about some uh, random shit today. Just, just you know, whatever's been, whatever's been going on. Just like episode one, we're going to be sitting around, just a couple of bros, drinking some beers, talking about random shit. We got some topics and such uh, in particular we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, but for the most part, we'll probably once we start talking about them. Uh, but, uh, as always, we're going to be drinking beer, having a good time. So, uh, I'm here and also, uh, bros here as well. How you doing, yeah, bro? Doing pretty good. Drinking a, drinking a nice little Bud Light tonight. And, uh, right after this one, I got a blue moon lined up. How about you? Uh, I'm drinking a nice little, uh, IPA, uh, from Fremont Brewer in Seattle. It's called the Interurban. Uh, so, I mean, if you were listening to, uh, episode one, you know, how I feel about Bud Lights, you know, basically alcoholic water. Uh, but, um, uh, we're kind of the, uh, the yin and yang when it comes to, uh, to bros, you know, I'm the, uh, I'm the IPA full bull bro. And, uh, and you, you like the, uh, I'm the drink will you put in front of me kind of bro. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, that's definitely, that's definitely true. Hey, blue moon ain't too bad coming from the golden rivers of Colorado. That's not bad at all. Uh, but tonight, got a couple different topics to talk about um, that, that aren't so random. Uh, one in particular is uh, we're, uh, tonight that premiered on ESPN was a documentary many people have been waiting for, especially uh, us, the bros, uh, because we grew up in an era uh, when the NBA was dominated by a team called the Chicago Bulls in the 1990s. And uh, ESPN took on a 10-part documentary series uh, highlighting one single year uh, the 1997-1998 Chicago Bulls season. They call it the last dance because that will be the last year that Coach Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and many others on the Chicago Bulls team, one of the most successful basketball teams ever uh, in yep. NBA history, will make their final running of the Bulls uh, for the NBA title. And so uh, we're going to uh, just kind of recap uh, episode one and two uh, that uh, premiered tonight. Uh, so first off, bro, just want to kind of get your your reaction uh, to just the documentary itself and the hype about it. Yeah, it's really solid. I was uh, when I was watching it, I was kind of kind of getting all giddy. I ended up hearing the uh, Bulls uh, intro, and that got me some chills. I know when you end up hearing from North Carolina, six foot six shooting guard. That always gets me going. So that was uh that was kind of like a memory that came back and then just watching him play, you can just tell he's he's above all of the rest. Even when he was going up against, you know, like Larry Bird and all the Celtics and their four um Hall of Famers that were on their team kinda setting the tone. You can see why. Everybody says Michael Jordan's the greatest. So I know that's what me and you both believe, or at least that's what I believe. I don't know. Yeah, most definitely, man. And the the thing is, is that just to give you some some historical context of for both of us, uh, we grew up playing basketball. We grew up uh, from fifth, sixth grade. We were playing in uh, select. You know, we started in like parks leagues, and then you know joined AAU select basketball teams, and played on a bunch of different ones of those, and pretty much played year round. And if we didn't have practice pretty much every day of the week, that'd be for our school teams, and then on top of it, our select AAU teams, and then having basketball games all weekends and Saturdays and Sundays all day. I mean, our our life is pretty much consumed by basketball. I mean, for me, at least from the age of you know. 11 12 years old all the way till the end of high school uh playing all the way through that but yeah the chicago bulls man that was my team i mean growing up in seattle i mean the sonics were all right i mean they started really picking it up like in the you know the early 1990s you know where they had Peyton and kemp and detla shrimp and sam Perf- perkins big big smooth big you know percy hawkins yeah they had a whole bunch of guys they had a wrecking crew but getting back yeah, getting back to the Bulls, I mean, that was my team, man. Michael Jordan was my guy, and that's the thing. I think one of the things that uh, – and then we'll get back into, you know, the first episode and look at that is 
a lot of people, especially ESPN analysts, were talking about how this could possibly be like the first in-depth discussion or in-depth look at the Chicago Bulls of the 1990s. And like you were saying, like how Michael Jordan was above and beyond everybody else and how a lot of people say he is. He's the GOAT, man. He's the greatest of all times. And some people say, no, man, it's not Michael Jordan. It's it's LeBron James or it's Kobe Bryant or it's, you know, you know, Wilt Chamberlain or Bill Russell or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, yep. or Larry Bird, Magic John. I mean, they have their guys, uh, which is fine. But, I mean, when you have people coming out and saying, you know, like people like LeBron James and Dwayne Wade saying, we can't wait for this documentary to come out because Michael Jordan, he's the goat. He's yep. the man, you know, and that is – that is true, and is totally laid out in that first episode. So, what'd you think about the first episode? Some highlights? What you took away from it? Yeah, I'd say uh, going back to right at the beginning of that first episode um, when Jordan ended up winning, you know, college championship. His coach ended up telling him he needs to go off to the NBA. Um, as a freshman, as a freshman, sophomore. Oh, was he a sophomore, sophomore. that first year? Yeah, because he hit that he, shot. Yeah, because he ended up going one more year, I believe. Because yeah, he came back the next year. Yeah, he definitely did. Thinking about that documentary, he ended up going back one more year, and then he played, and then um, being drafted third overall. And for me, I I always think of him and uh, Michael Bowie. I thought it was like a one-two thing. I thought Michael Bowie was one and he was two, but totally forgot that Hakeem Olajuwon was in that same draft. The dream, baby. Yeah. The dream. I mean, still a solid pick, but it's not oh, Michael. Oh, Hakeem Olajuwon was, it's was not Michael. gaming, man. So, it's not Michael. Yeah, it's not Mike. Um, but, yeah, him going to the team, uh, going to Chicago Bulls, being drafted, and then seeing the whole uh, cocaine cocaine train. As they ended up kind oh, of the Chicago cocaine train, yeah. <laughs> that team was wild before Michael Jordan got on the team, dude. And what you know. two years later, basically nobody's on the team other than Michael. They basically rebuilt no, that they, whole team, they had to protect their investment. And I mean, that kind of gets into, I mean, in episode one, it really highlights that it's just not going to be a sports documentary about highlighting the key players and the success and the, the triumphs and the struggles. It's going to talk about the dynamics of yeah. the Chicago Bulls and the dynamics of, of the professional sports team. And it brought in, you know, the owner, you know, and it brought in the head of operations, uh, Jerry Krause, and how he played a major role in the building of, which will be probably one of the most dominant dynasties in NBA history and the demise of the most dominant dynasty in American uh, NBA history, you know? Yes. Yeah. Total destruction. So, Episode one really gets into that, which is great. It really talks about the dynamics in that 97, 98 season, how Jerry Krause, the, the, you know, the head of operations for the Chicago Bulls was slowly in the mid nineties when Jordan left for the first time in 93. At that point, he was ready to start disabling the team and like rebuilding it without Michael. And that meant pretty much letting go of a lot of those key fundamental players like Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant yep. uh, that were that were holding the team together uh, and bringing in new guys like Tony Kukoc, you know, to kind of be the figurehead of the team. So that was really interesting for episode one. I mean, it, it really just kind of laid out the, the foundation of what the 97-98 season was going to look like, that last dance, because Phil Jackson got – when he got signed back on for one more year, but they pretty much told him – you can start looking for a new job because even if you win 82 of 82 games, you're going to you know, be gone. You're not, you're not coming back. Yep. So it doesn't matter how good you do. You're out of here, you know, and pretty much that was the writing on the wall for other players who said that Phil Jackson's their guy, either Phil Jackson's the coach or we're out. And that's exactly what happened at the end of the 98 season, but probably one of the most epic seasons in NBA history when it came to the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. Yeah, and thinking back, or thinking uh, when you end up going and you look at all the people going one, two, three, you end up thinking about like a Michael, a LeBron, a Kobe, a Kareem. How would you end up ranking those those four right there? Where would your 
totem pole be? Uh, like if I had to rank the 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 greats yeah. uh, in top four, I mean, definitely Jordan has always been the goat for me. I've been a Jordan fan obviously since I started following NBA and the late 80s, maybe early 90s. I mean, probably I got into following the NBA probably in 91, 92. So that was probably around the first time the Chicago Bulls won their first NBA championship, I think, against the Lakers in 91. And then the Trailblazers in 92. And then the Suns in 93. And by that time, I was a believer. I was a bull ever, yep. dude. So who, and, who falls uh, in jo- spot other than that? Oh yeah, so we got so we got Jordan for number one, and then you know for me, it's like it's really hard for that number two spot uh, because I want to say LeBron, but I still think he's got he's got some when it comes to achievements, yeah. uh, some to improve when it comes to being at the top of that list. Yeah, he had that one uh, year that he was super dominant with the Cavaliers. He still had yes. Kyrie, and Kyrie was young and is, uh, you know, kind of getting into his prime, um, just the supporting cast kind of thing. I mean, Kobe had Shaq, but then he still won a couple others without him, you know, kind of thing. That's the thing. I mean, that's why I'm kind of swaying towards Kobe being number two and LeBron being number three, yep. uh, because I feel like, you know, when LeBron went down to Miami and had D Wade and. Yeah some other support around yeah, him. three of the top you know, five players he, in the league. It's on yeah, one team. Yeah, yeah. what was it? Chris Bosh Chris Chris was Bosch, on there too. I mean, he had a pretty solid team. I mean, the thing about Jordan is he came to a team that was the Chicago cocaine train. I mean, yep. he would walk in. He would walk into the hotel after one of their first games, his first year on the team, yeah. you know, knock on the hotel room door, and they like he hears like shh, some shushing, yeah. and the guy goes, who is it? And it's like, it's Michael. It's MJ, you know, and he goes, all right, he's a rookie. He's cool. Let him in. And he comes in and there's guys doing lines on the table in there, guys smoking weed, you know, girls over in the corner, you know, and he's like, I don't want any of this. You know, I'm here to just play some basketball. Yeah. And uh, then the whole team gets restructured around that. So it's like, to me, it's like Jordan, he's the go. Yeah, let me touch on uh, that for a second. The whole restructure thing, you know, you end up having a whole bunch of players that they end up uh, talking about how, uh, LeBron couldn't win when he was in, you know, Cleveland. He didn't have any support. He didn't have anything, you know. Um, ended up kind of having to go back to win kind of thing. Um, but, you know, think about it this way. Michael went through the full restructuring of a team, held the team up, still took him to the playoffs every single year, and then ended up taking the team once he ended up getting – a couple pieces and took him for three straight years. You know, I mean, LeBron never did that. So, well, the thing is too, is that Jordan, ever since they went to the playoffs in 87, he went to the playoffs every single year, all the way through the 98 season. I can't really talk about his wizards comeback. (laughs) Didn't quite follow that, even though I was a Jordan fan. I'd watch the games, but I really wasn't following the NBA in detail at that point. But, I mean, pretty much from 97 to 90, I mean, 87 to 98, I mean, he took him to the playoffs every single year, yep. winning six championships. I mean, you know, dominant, yep. dominant. So, it's like, yeah, I totally agree with you. It's like when it comes to the restructuring, I mean, in a lot of cases, it seems like in this day and age – restructuring happens with bringing in like big ass names onto teams. And so you have a few teams that have all these big ass names on them and yeah, they make it to the playoffs. They end up meeting each other somewhere in the playoffs or then the finals. And you have what I refer to as like these super teams, you know, they get there and sometimes they win and sometimes they lose. I mean, do you remember with the LA Lakers, who did they have? They did they have uh, Carl Malone? Oh, Gary and, Payton. Was it Sha- Shaquille yeah, O'Neal? Kobe. Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, all those guys on the same team together. Still couldn't win. And they did, and they did not win the finals nope. that year. Nope. <laughs> it's like it doesn't always mean just because you stack a, a bunch of guys on the team that they're going to win, but you got a much better chance. I mean, it's like we were saying about LeBron when he shifted to Miami. You know, and now you got D Wade, yep. you got Chris Bosch, 
a bunch of other guys that were great supporting cast guys. I mean, you're going to you're going to win and you're probably going to win it. All right. So I don't want to be a Scotty Pippen hater, but let, let me let me give you some of this stuff. I always hear this, you know, Michael, he had one of the best players ever that was on his team with him of Scotty Pippen. You know, Scotty Pippen's best year that he ever had was 21, 8, and 6. So, uh, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, 21 points averaging. And then when he wasn't with Michael, his best year was 14, 5, and 5. Wow. The funny part was, you know, uh, Scotty Pippen um, didn't make much money until he ended up leaving, leaving the Chicago Bulls. Um, but we'll touch on that topic on the second part of this. But just going off on my tangent, you know, everybody keeps saying and he that Scotty's the too. best, you know. But Scotty was a no-name coming out of an NIAA, you know, league, was drafted by the Chicago Bulls. They partnered him with Horace Grant. They were nobodies. And Michael well, he's made him to somebody. He was drafted by the Super Yep, Sox. and then he was traded. Yep. And then traded to the Chicago Bulls. And, I mean, he went to Central Arkansas University, which, yeah, was an NIA school or whatever, NAIA school, and wasn't really too well-known. I mean, he was the best player in that league. Yeah. But Scotty did nothing after Michael was gone. And he was still in his prime at that point. He was 31 years old. He should, he should know better, you know. He should be able to 31, 32, I think he was. Um, but yeah. I, think they, I think they still went to the playoffs. He didn't. Well, uh, he went to the Houston one, Rockets. One of the years with the Clyde Drexler and uh, oh, Charles, Charles Barkley. Barkley and all those. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they were another yoked, yoked team as and, well, like the like the Lakers. Yeah, and that was his that was his next best year. And then after that, he was, you know, twelve points a game. That was his best. You know, so it's yeah. it's kind of like I always hear that um, from the. Um, generation z and generation x that they keep talking about that and they're like no lebron's the best lebron's the best and get it and all michael did it with nobodies and made him somebody's he made a hall of famer out of scotty pippen that's that's oh. my perspective oh yeah dude and you and you can't take it away from scotty pippen he's like one of the greatest defense oh, yeah. players in nba history so it's like you got one of the greatest scorers in nba history playing with one of the greatest defense players in NBA history. So, I mean, in that perspective, it's yeah. like, yeah, he had a guy in his team that definitely uh, was his kind of one-two yeah, punch. Yeah, he's the best but role to player. say, like, you know. he has the stacked, the stacked team like LeBron had when he was at – he was in Miami. I mean, Wade and Bosh and, yeah. you know, it's like not quite – I mean, I'm not hating on LeBron James. I think he's, you know, definitely top five greatest players ever. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it was, it was, uh, so, so on episode one, that it, it really just talks about kind of getting into the 97, 98 season. It kind of stops in the first step at the end of the first episode of them doing, you know, like how they do the ring ceremony at their first yep. game and they give them their, you know, they lay all the time, they lay all the titles out on the, t- on the table and they yep. do. Yeah. And you were, you know, getting goosebumps when they're saying, and from North. Carolina, 6'6", six, six, that guard, Michael yep. Jordan, and they're running out, and uh, Scotty Pippen and everything. And that's where episode one kind of stops. So episode two picks up. So episode one was really about, like, Michael yep. Jordan and management and everything. And then episode two gets into the Scotty Pippen yep. scandal, you know, which which I didn't know a lot about of what was going on at the time watching, you know, that season in 97, 98, because I was still an avid NBA watcher uh, during that time. Uh, I knew there was some issues going on with Scottie Pippen, uh, but more I just thought it was that he was injured and he wasn't going to be able to come back, which they talk about in part two. But really, there was a much more underlying reason why he was out the first, like, two or three months of the season, and that was premeditated that was 100 percent premeditated <laughs> he was saying f you to the chicago bulls because what they were paying him so i went and looked it up they he got a seven-year extension for 18 million and back then you know so so but he was just trying to get money for his family and i get it and all but he made 20 million dollars 
over a 10-year period. $20 million. Yeah, because he signed a seven-year, $18 million deal. I mean, guys today sign a – like, let's just say, guys today at his caliber, that is one-year yep. pay, $18 million. You know, and he got it over seven years. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. I mean, yeah, cost – I mean, I know cost of living's a little bit more today than it is back in the 1990s. Yeah, but you want, still, want to hear a is, funny stat? So over that 10-year period that he ended up being for the Chicago Bulls, one year Michael Jordan made $30 million. He made $10 million more than what Scotty made for the first 10 years. One year of him being there. That's, that's not even counting what Michael Jordan was making from nope. Nike and all his other nope. endorsements. I mean, Michael was probably making more than Scotty Pippen just from his Nike endorsements than Scotty Pippen's entire seven-year career of bringing in six titles. To the Bulls. Yeah, Scotty played for 18 years, and he amassed, uh, I think it was like $110 million. And Michael Jordan, over his all of his career, only made 93. So Scotty ended up making more than him. But, you know, he also had a deficit to start out with. A huge deficit. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. So episode two, I mean, it pretty much talks about that. It talks about how Scottie Pippen signed this agreement in, what was it, 1991 or whatever it was, for seven years, $18 million. And then he felt unappreciated by bringing in all this success and everything to the Chicago Bulls and the you know head of operations who Jerry Krause didn't want to restructure his, his contract because they thought it was a damn steal getting Scottie Pippen. And it was for seven years for $18 million at the time. And so he was like, he was like, well, you took the shit deal, my friend, you're going to have to live with it now and did nothing about it. And Scottie Pippen fell unappreciated. So getting into the whole thing about the Scottie Pippen controversy of the 97, 98 season is he had a foot injury at the end of the 96, 97 season that he could have got taken care of in June right after they won the championship. <laughs> but he decided, I'm not going to, and in his words, I'm not going to fuck up my summer uh, for the Chicago Bulls and Jerry Krause and all the bullshit that they were doing. And so he decided to hold off and not get his surgery until right before uh, or right around the NBA season starting, which meant he was not going to be available until two or three months into the season, which could hurt their chances of winning uh, a sixth yeah, NBA Wasn't it title. funny to hear the, and uh, so, the comment of uh, Michael being like, yeah, that was super selfish. And then you have the opposite side where you have uh, Phil, and he's totally backing him. He's like, yeah, they ended up screwing him over. So well, I, why not? Well, the thing is, is, is we're jumping ahead, but the thing is, is that comment by Michael Jordan, because that was a, you know, that was an interview for the Mm -hmm. documentary was at the end. It was like one of the last things said in episode two. So I wonder if they cut that off and then it's going to come back for episode three and it's going to look, and and, and it's going to look a little bit different because you know, Michael and Scott totally are. So I mean, it doesn't mean that Michael isn't going to say that was selfish. I mean, because Michael, he's a competitor. Yeah. He's a winner. I mean, watching some of the watching some of the uh, the stuff that was going down in the practices where he's he's you know pissed off because yep. Scotty is out and the other players on the team aren't picking up the slack and he's just like yeah. frustrated and throwing anger around. Hopefully, hopefully thinking that it's going to motivate yeah. people. So it was this big like pissing match between Scotty Pippen and management. And so he got the surgery done. And then in November he said, well, maybe I won't come back uh, unless you give me a new deal and a new contract where mm-hmm. I make more money. And so that created some really hostile tension between management and Scotty Pippen. And then, you know, that's kind of where episode two mm-hmm. lands. So, you know, overall, Episode one, episode two, what super do you think? solid. I'm excited for three and four. I think it's three and four is next weekend. I think they're doing two at a time. If they only do one, I'm going to be so angry because one was just not enough. Dude, it's going to be a. <laughs> it was, and I, I was like, I was like clicking on the ESPN app. I'm like, isn't there a second episode? Isn't this yeah. like Netflix? Can I just click on? The, can I just binge it tonight? Like the whole ten episodes? I'll stay up for yeah, ten hours. To... I had I really to watch would. it, and then I was I had to watch it live, and then I ended up looking. I was about right during a commercial. I had to pause it and check to just make sure. Is there the second episode going on right after it? Because it said it cut off at seven. So 
I was in that same boat. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, it's great, man. I can't wait until episode three and four. It looks like the little sneak peek is all about Dennis Rodman, uh, which was a huge acquisition for the second three-peat in which the Chicago Bulls do from uh, 96 year, 97 year, 98 year. And so that'll be uh, that'll pretty uh, that'll be pretty exciting to watch as well. So, uh, what other random shit I got, do we have? I got one to talk last about? topic for you. Speaking yeah. of the whole Scottie Pippen thing, do you think that is the best deal of all time in all sports history? You know, Tom Brady. It might. Tom Brady be. takes this huge cut to try and make. You know, more championships, all that kind of stuff. Never is the highest paid. Always is sitting in like the 10 range, 15 range. I mean, that's admirable. But then you have uh, Scottie Pippen, who ends up taking a seven-year, $18 million deal. Sitting there thinking of other deals that could be better than a Scottie Pippen deal. I mean, it... It rivals up there with the hundred plus million dollar deal for Alex Rodriguez and <laughs> the Texas Rangers. <laughs> I mean, the two fifty. I'm thinking in the perspective yeah. of uh, the the player. Yeah, oh yeah, two fifty. 250. Yeah, it's two fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex Rodriguez got the Scotty Pippen Chicago Bulls deal, but yeah, in he got reverse. the twenty five million a year, <laughs> and then was on steroids and yeah, yeah, yoked us. Yoked as a motherfucker on the <laughs> Texas Rangers, and then the, uh, and then he gets duped into coming the to the, Yankees. Uh, you know, the Yankees. Yeah. So I mean, I'm telling you, that may possibly be. I mean, the thing is, is that sometimes you pick up guys. It's it's very different from today, where they have these negotiated agreements for rookies yep. when they come in. They have certain money that they get, and so it's different today. But I mean, for the time, that had to be the best deal, dude. I don't think there could have been a better deal. I'd take that deal any day, even I mean, inflate, even yeah, inflation Scotty right now. I'd take that seven-year, eighteen million dollar deal. Oh, no doubt, because you probably would have got him for if you if you did inflation today, you would probably get Scotty Pippen for forty yeah, million gonna, over seven. I was going to say years. like like forty million I was for say seven like 40, years. 40, 45 was my thought. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a steal, dude. That's a steal. That's like what, like well, six million a players, year? Like be- almost bench players are making more than that for the NBA right now. It's ridiculous. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was funny. A, a little uh, a little thing that I saw on ESPN while I, while I was watching the uh, the after kind of show on the Last Dance was on the bottom little reader that they had. You know, because there's not a lot of sports going on right now with the whole COVID thing. And so they had a reader thing on the bottom from uh, Wayne Rooney, you know, the player who used to play for Manchester Mm -hmm. United. And then he came and played in the MLS for the uh, DC Mm -hmm. United. And he was talking about how the MLS owners and organizations are taking advantage of their players because they make so little amount of money. They pretty much have no negotiating powers when it tries to bring in more money or more benefits to the league or trying to actually if they have great talent get mm-hmm. out of the league, if they want to, um, because the league may have to agree to the transfer to, to another uh, league or they would, or other leagues would have to pay a huge yep. buyout to get somebody out that they really want. And are leagues going to do that? Like the EPL, you know, or the, or the Spanish La Liga league, you know, are they really going to pay millions of dollars to get some guy out of the MLS? Probably not. They're going to find somewhere else. So it's interesting that you have this big international player like Wayne Rooney sticking up for yep. MLS players. Yeah. And I didn't even know that he doesn't even play for him anymore. He played 18 months and then he's like, yeah, he's I'm, I'm out of here. He yeah, saw it was a out. raw deal and he said, yeah, I could do, I could do something else with my time and play soccer right now. Yeah. If you only would have waited a little longer for Beckham to uh, get that team in, yeah. Uh, Miami, he probably yeah. would have transferred down there. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, what? So, what are you doing? What are you drinking? You still on that Bud Light, man? I have upgraded. I down that IPA from Fremont Brewing, and I have upgraded to uh, Georgetown Brewing. Uh, this uh, IPA is called Lucille. Okay, IPA. I've had Lucille before. 
which may which I, which I don't know if there's any uh, people who are out there that uh, watch Walking Dead who are Walking Dead fans, but once I saw that on the shelves, I go, Lucille, isn't that the <laughs> name of the guy's bat in The Walking Dead where he just fucking crushes people's heads in with? Yep. He's like, Lucille, which I think is referring to actually his wife's name yeah. or something. I don't know. But uh, this is actually a really good IPA. I'm, I'm actually really impressed. Uh, many of those, like Fremont Brewing, Georgetown Brewing, both out of Seattle. Great brew companies, great smooth IPAs. Yep. So, uh, so what do we else? What else? What do we got? What What are we thinking about? Well, tonight? I ended up seeing on our news station that uh, seeing it on Facebook and everywhere else that uh, in Washington we ended up uh, having a big old protest that went on. Did you see about the protest? Oh yeah, are you talking about the yeah. one at the state capitol? Or are you talking about the one that was the state capitol? Oh, the today. one at the state capitol. Okay, we can talk. We can talk yeah. about the other one. The too. state capitol. They ended up having uh, about a couple thousand people that were there and uh, trying to fight to get our basically our economy back running in the state of Washington because they feel like we're past the peak and we should be back out there working and. Yeah. I don't know. What's your feeling on it? Well, you know, the thing is, is that what are we like a month, month and a half really into this kind of quarantine lockdown across the country? Different states are doing different things. I know we're up here in the Pacific Northwest. And so states like Idaho, Washington, Oregon, California, we've taken most of the extreme measures when it comes to, you know, locking down, staying in place, safe, whatever the the term is that the different states are using for political reasons. But I mean, I see the, the initial concern of, yes, it's important to, to kind of do what we can to, to, uh, to not infect those Mm -hmm. people that are most vulnerable, but also you have to think about it as they keep talking about like, Oh, well, we're going to have a resurgence in the fall or the winter or whatever it may be. And we might have to have more lockdown and more this and more that. And it's like, being looking at the percentage and the numbers and being in the age range that is greatly mm-hmm. affected by the, the, the virus, it's like we should, in a sense, be thinking, yeah, well, a virus, uh, sorry, a vaccine might be six months, a year, 18 months away. Uh, and are we for the next 18 months going to be doing these lockdowns every once in a while or stay in places or whatever it may be? Uh, or are we going to get into this kind of herd immunity kind of idea where the more people that we can get uh, that may come into contact with it? And the thing is, is there's so many people, man, that are like asymptomatic yeah. that aren't showing symptoms that got it. And they don't even know, okay, who is the guy? And you may have saw the, 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 uh, I don't know the guy, but he's an NFL player. And it was just came up a, a day or two ago. Uh, he didn't Von even Miller? know he had the coronavirus and got yeah, and got tested, and he's like, didn't even know, nope. didn't even have any symptoms. I'm so, I'm such a, I'm such a jackass NFL motherfucker that I don't even feel symptoms, nope. dude. And it's like, how many people out there are like that that have built up antibodies that have that herd immunity, and now going into it, you know, they're thinking that the antibodies may last a year, maybe yeah. two, who knows? That that may give that window of time to get a vaccine, and are we going to? shut down our society, shut down our economy, which is, which is scary stuff. I mean, people losing their jobs and all those sort of things. I mean, I I don't know where to really fall because I want people to be safe. But then on the other hand, I mean, at what point are we going to reopen the economy? At what point are they going to say, all right, we've done, we've done this stay at home stuff. People have done a good job. People are doing for the most part, a good job at social distancing, put a little bit of trust back in the people that if you start opening some things up, that we're going to take responsibility and go out and do what we need to do. Uh, so that's where I kind of fall in it. I don't know. Yeah, you know, fall. I hate I hate being home, staying home like this and being caged up and everything else. But, I mean, I get it. You know, we, we need to stay back. The stats end up showing. I'm a big stats man. You know, being a math teacher for so long, looking at the, uh, looking at the graphs, man. Bad. Uh, I have no problem looking at graphs and understanding <laughs> them and telling the facts and kind of look at it. And, you know, our numbers are not down to where it needs to be. You know, we hit the peak. Good job. Kudos. 
but we still got lots of work to do. So I fall on the side of, you know, we need to stay home. We need to take care of business. Yes, I do end up going out and getting my groceries. Yeah, I mean, there was way more people today uh, when I was driving around that I ended up seeing our local Home Depot. There, uh, there was a huge line of people waiting to get in because they have a they have a six feet stack in rule. They can't have more than fifty people or thirty people in the Home Depot at a time. And um, you know, mm-hmm. the last time I went there because I wanted to finish up a project. I ended up waiting a half hour and it was probably only 10, 15 people that were in front of me. So, I mean, that line was mm. probably an hour, hour and a half wait to try and get on in. And what is that doing? You know, I mean, I get it. We're taking precautions, but, you know, looking down at it, people just need to stay home as much as they can. But I really don't get the whole like fishing and golfing thing. You know, they were, you can kind of talk about that. We ended up, yeah, go for it. Well, the thing is too, is it kind of, uh, just finish off on the, the, uh, the staying at home thing. It's like, it's, you have different perspectives because when you're still getting paid yeah. and you have income coming in and you haven't mm-hmm. furloughed or laid off and maybe you haven't been able to get on the unemployment website because it's so hard to get on and it's shut down or whatever it may be doing. They're doing updates and this and that. It's like it's a scary time, and some people just want to get back to work. They need a livelihood, and so it's like at what at what point do we start evaluating the value on human life versus the value of the lives that are being hurt by the policies that are being put forward? I mean, that's a difficult decision the policymakers are making. I mean, luckily I'm in a fortunate position that that's still making money while this thing is going on, but that's not guaranteed. So. I mean, that's that's the thing, you know, they need to get plans together to start figuring out when this thing's going to reopen, how they're going to do it. And that gets me into the second protest about over the weekend in the Tri-Cities in Richland, Washington. They had a protest against the banning of recreational fishing in all of Washington State, recreational fishing, recreational um, shell fishing. All that has been banned just in the state of Washington and. Just in the state of Washington, we are the only state in the entire country that has done an entire ban of fishing. Yep. Which, ev- yep. Oh, and hunting, which the thing is, is that I get it. Every state's different. Demographics, population, where populations are centered, all that. Understand that. But our demographics and layout isn't entirely much different uh, from the state of Oregon. And they still have fishing, which is going on and people are shell fishing down there and people are fishing in rivers and creeks and streams and lakes and on the Columbia and all those different sort of things. And so the thing is, that's, that's frustrating is that you can actually, there are some launches by reading some articles that are still open throughout the state of Washington, that you can get your boat on a lake or on a river, but you can't fish when yep. you're out on that lake or river, even though there is nobody within six feet, 10 feet, 100 yards of you, you still can't throw um, a line out and try catching a fish, uh, which is pretty much a major part of our culture up here in the Pacific Northwest. And they tell us to get outdoors and to help us cope with 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 everything that's going on right now. It's important to get outdoors and do these sort of things uh, but they're not letting us fish, which is which is which is tough. So these protests that are going on in uh, Eastern Washington right now, especially in the Tri Cities, I mean, yeah, there was hundreds. I of totally boats get out the whole stay the protest. Yeah, yeah, I think they said there was fifty boats, but then on each of the boats there was a couple people or something like that, maybe over fifty boats. But then there were a hundred plus people on the the shore yeah. that were protesting as well. And they did it Saturday and Sunday. So uh, the thing is, is like, you know, when it comes to the protests on the Capitol, which happened yep. today, it's like I, I'm kind of indifferent about that. But when it comes to the whole fishing thing across the state, it's like, come on, if you can go for a hike, if you can go for a walk, if you can go for a bike ride on a trail, but you can't go fishing. It's like, come yep. on, man. It's like. It, they they talked all about like equity of access and saying, Oh, well, we need to make sure people have equity of access and this and that's like, well, if there's equity of access for people to go to parks 
and stay six feet apart from each other and run or bike or walk or go take a hike. There's equity on fishing as well and hunting for sure, especially when you have special permits and tags that you go out for turkey season or or bear season. And there's only so many people and they're saying, well, they come from out of state so they can bring the coronavirus in here and say, okay, well, then maybe contact those people that have out of state tags and say, we're closing it to out of state people like they did in Oregon. They were tired of Washingtonians coming down and fishing in their state because they didn't want us bringing it down there. So they closed it. We should do the same thing for hunting, for fishing. But to have this blanketed, let's close it all when it comes to these outdoor recreations, especially when the only two outdoor recreations that have been uh, strictly banned right now is hunting and fishing. It's just just bullshit. Totally not in support of it. So I hope I got my, my point across. If you're asking I think I, I think I heard your point. <laughs> yeah, I was just I was watching the live feed of uh, all the people that were there, and uh, one of the questions that was asked to the news anchor was, "Is people um, staying six feet apart from each other?" And even with a protest, there were still people all around um, standing six feet apart from each other. It's not rocket science, you know, and you can. And you can do yeah, ten I'm feet sure apart, which is what majority of majority of them were from I saw from that video, from that live feed, and the boaters that were going across. You know, they were pretty much distancing themselves as much as they can. I mean, um, you know, having that many boats out there um, kind of made it a little tough because they were trying to uh, take on just one area. So then they can have a whole bunch of grass area for people to stand and make it a bigger protest. And so, um, you know, yes, I do want fishing to come back. I think that's probably, uh, I mean, it's a small thing. I don't know why they, why they couldn't do that. Why they couldn't say, all right, let's lift it off. Maybe we end up just doing ones that, you know, maybe we're not doing boat launches right now. Maybe we're just doing, you know, if you can, end, if you have private, private loading and see how that goes, um, if they just need to take one step, you know, if you can stand on the, on the, uh, shore, the shoreline, shoreline fishing's good, but maybe we just don't open all the parks yet to try and kind of manage it and take steps to kind of go back in whatever they need to do, you know, just to kind of open it that if you do shoreline fishing or if you can, you know, if you have different access points of putting your boat in or yeah, I don't know. I got to take out my boat this weekend and uh, just driving it around, kind of getting it back into back into form. So then when it does happen that fishing can start, um, I'll be all over it, but there was probably five boats out there and all of those five boats were, um, doing some kind of skiing and or wakeboarding or stuff like that. But it was kind of, kind of dumb. I'm te- I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, it's going to, we're, we're going to be like Christians after Lent, dude. We're going to be holding in that big old load, ready to just yep. blow it all over the place. Exactly. Once that fishing opens up, man, because we're, you know, f- what, what's that movie? It's like called 40, no, is it 40 days, 40 nights or something like that? The guy that takes on the Lint challenge that he's not going to, you know, oh, yeah. have sex with any girl or do anything like that for 40 days. And, you know, it's like that, man. It's like the thing is, is it's just nope. it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, I get it. And and I know the social distancing, but I mean, we've been going on well, you know, not almost a month the, now. The, they're you not know, starting March fishing 25th. like um, warehouses and all that kind of stuff. So you can go get material you know what I mean? To go fishing. So you're just going with what you have. Yeah. You know? I mean, you can order stuff online yeah. nowadays. And so I think they're just kind of old school thinking about it, you know? Oh, my thought the other day I was thinking about, so you have all these people that yep. are unfortunately unemployed during this time. Why couldn't the state hire them to go sit and monitor these beaches and lakes and docks and rivers and walk around and just monitor and make sure that people are social distancing yeah. and they're six to 10 feet apart from each other and pay them. 
problem solved. You pay the people from the state for going and doing these things. And people are social distancing while they're fishing. People are paying their hunting licenses. They're paying their fish, their, their fishing licenses. They're getting their tags, whatever it may be. There's, there's revenue coming into the state on that. I was thinking about that the other day. I said, that's a great option. States should start pushing out jobs and saying, do you want to be, you know, a recreational, you know, um, police yeah. or advisor or what? I don't know, you know, where they can go out and just be on a certain lake or a certain dock, you know, and be like, hey, you know, you guys need to be six feet apart or whatever it may be. But I think at this point with us now almost being a month out of having the opportunity for a lot of us, like I said, in the Pacific Northwest, fishing. Hunting mm-hmm. is a part of our culture and not having it has probably yep. made us value it an, a lot more and be much more mindful about when we do go out yeah. uh, to do it. And yesterday I actually sent an email to governor Jay Inslee and all of his advisors that are working with him right now on his uh, uh, COVID response team, an email basically saying that like, it's time to take action. It's time to open recreational fishing once again. And that we have shown you the respect and we've heeded to your request of social distancing, of staying at home. And the least you can do is open up recreational fishing and hunting again. So we can go out and enjoy something that makes us truly you know, Washingtonians makes us truly American. And that is going out and enjoying the outdoors, you know, enjoying what has been blessed to us of fish and deer and turkeys and bears and all those different sort of things uh, that have been provided for us that we can go enjoy. So that's, that's where I stand on it, man. I'm, I, I mean, I'm glad these protests are happening because that, yeah, those need to happen in America. I don't know if I'm for or against that. Cause... So, I sit there and I look at that protest and I say, you know, people are dying from COVID and, you know, I mean, oh, it's not Inslee's thing that he's in a hospital helping those people trying to survive, but, you know, just looking at it, I mean, it's small things, but I, I don't see why he couldn't end up opening it back. You don't. You don't Correct. mean he's he's physically yeah. in the hospitals helping these people, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he's up on his his bully pulpit, his podium, saying like we're we you know we're flattening the curve, but we got a long way to go, and I don't know when that's going to be. And it's funny because he has all this information from these different organizations, from the University of Washington and the CDC, and they're saying this is when kind of the projected dates yep. and numbers are going to be. And he doesn't really come up with any numbers or dates. He, I mean, I understand you don't want to stick to a strong date, but you can just say, you know, this is where we're thinking about right now. Is it going to be May 4th? Just be honest and say, I don't think it's going to be May yeah. 4th. I think it's going to be May you know, 18th that's or June 1st or who knows. And just, and just be honest. Will never I mean, but the thing is, it's stab like, stab himself in the foot, know, though. All I'm telling you is that if fishing gets delayed until June 1st, uh, guess what? Jay Inslee's running for re-election in 2000, uh, November yeah. of 2019 or 2020. I would not be voting for him uh, just simply <laughs> on fishing. <laughs> yeah. Just that alone would be enough. So, uh, so yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, man, I mean, the thing is, is that it's just a crazy time we're in right now. And the thing is, is what gets us through it is watching these documentaries like The Last Dance. I mean, last night I like went through and started watching some of the uh, the new comedy stand up shows on Netflix. There's a new one on there by comedian Chris D'Elia. Yeah. Funny ass guy. Uh, his newest stand up is called No Pain. It's great. That's worth checking out. I went down the rabbit hole of watching some old Dave Chappelle uh, yeah, I hit the Hulu last I mean, night with uh, you know, it, yeah, because Hulu ended up opening Hulu. up all, all the right. uh, HBO doc or HBO shows, and so I finished up Ballers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Finished that Ballers. Finished season Ballers five, yeah. season five, I think it was. Season five. I watched the Silicon behind Valley the times, final but, season. Uh, did you ever watch uh, the there's another Dude, there's another show. I know. I have not watched The Wire. Everybody's Dude, I'm going to get on The Wire. Like, I've watched two episodes. 
Yeah, it's good. It's really good. Yeah. It's good? It's good. Yeah, I got into, before I stopped watching uh, the HBO Go uh, channel, there was a show that just started on there. I yeah, watched I saw all the that first on season, there. which was called Succession. Dude, yeah. that's a good show. Macaulay Culkin's <laughs> brother. Uh, fucking home alone. Name. He's on the show. He is funny. Dude, he is funny as fuck. Macaulay Culkin's brother. Yes. It's the one. Do you remember the movie Signs? Okay, so the young boy in that movie uh, is the same kid that's in this Succession uh, HBO series. There's two seasons. There's season one, season two. Dude, they're both. Yeah. I'll have to go check that out after the. It's wire. a great show. Uh, so that so that was okay. worth. Yeah, and it's yeah. got Brian Cox in it. You know, from Super Troopers. That's the that's the head chair. <laughs> Give me the damn soap, <laughs> and he bites the fucking soap bar. Love Super that. Troopers. <laughs> we had that Dude, full Super Troopers is for that whole money. Summer. We probably uh, watched that thing 250 times during oh, one dude. summer. Oh, at least we would come home from work during the summer. You know, we'd always work that late shift. We'd come home. We'd grab some beers, you know, a little bit of snacks. We'd go downstairs. Watch it once. We'd pop in the Super Troopers. And then watch it twice. Every night. Because it wasn't we'd funny enough that. the first time. Yeah. We did that. We did that every day. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what we were doing. Well, I don't yeah. think we were drunk enough the first time. We wanted to, we wanted to do the the double feature. We wanted to do the sober feature and the drunken no. feature. We did the drunken encore. Should have did drunken commentary. Yeah. Yeah, the drunken encore. Just 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 press play again, man. <laughs> My snozzberries taste like snozzberries. Yeah. Well, I think we should probably wrap this thing on up. Let's do it, bro. Uh, so yeah, we, we, uh, talked about some pretty hitting topics. So definitely check out if you got ESPN or the ESP, ESPN plus, you can go check out the, uh, the last dance episode one and two are on there right now. Uh, three and four premiere next Sunday. Uh, we talked about some of the protests that were happening in Washington state on the Capitol building and also over in tri cities dealing with the, uh, opening the fishing in the state. Uh, and then closed out about just some random shit about what we're talking, what we're watching right now and trying to stay busy with this whole Corona thing going on right now. So uh, if you want, we're going to uh, hold a little uh, bros and brewskis postcast. If you're interested in listening in, that will actually be on the Podbean app. Uh, so if you're on your smartphone or device, you can go look up the Podbean app. You will see there's a, uh, live podcast function on there go ahead and look for the bros and brews live podcast which will be going live here in just a couple minutes and in that live we'll just be shooting the shit you could talk to us live you can call in we can answer your questions uh so if you're you know we'll post this right now so if you hear this and hear this at the end make sure uh you get on there we'll probably be on there for at least the next hour uh just shooting the shit drinking more beers having a fuckload of fun So that's episode two. Thanks for tuning in. See you next.